Just a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers and may also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Hello and welcome to episode 66 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. As ever, I'm Mitch Bain. I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart. Definitely Andy Stewart. Confident. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And joining us tonight, he's a director of nothing. (laughs) It's nobody. It's nobody, dear. It's an Andy versus Mitch episode. It is, yeah, and I'm um, going to address something here, Mitch. I, yes. I get the feeling that you hoodwinked me, you swindled me, you used the fact that I'm suffering from sympathetic baby brain. Okay, let's call it that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good old <laughs> to SPB. Get your, to get yourself another crack of the whip before... I mean, this should have been my turn. It should have been your turn. It should have been my turn. You did stage fright last time. Yeah, I said Demon Wind was the last Andy versus Mitch episode. It was not. I blindly followed. Uh, yeah, I. but that was an oversight. That wasn't me trying to push my <laughs> pro that are monsters agenda on you. Although it is nice that I have now have the opportunity to do that. But in, be- in uh, slightly better news, that means I get two in a row. Well, I mean, 100%. Fair's fair. The next two Andy versus Mitch episodes will definitely both be films that you're choosing. Um, but yeah, uh, for this week, so yeah, it did kind of like uh, by hooker by crook it fell to me to pick a film <laughs> and um yeah it's one that i've gone about for a bunch of times over the years yeah it's one you've mentioned a few times on the show yeah much to the confusion and disappointment of some yep. of my friends and peers yep. and colleagues yep and i'm nodding um, <laughs> and a shocking ton of events uh, i was this week's match and so much as i had not seen this film yeah which is always fun i went back to 2015 right yeah with jay dahl's there are monsters yeah you did <laughs> do you have anything you want to ask me about that i want you to explain yourself okay so uh i saw this film for the first time closing fright fest glasgow in 2015 by the way just want to say that's a bloody shocker that that it, that it closed glasgow three years earlier the closing film was the raid that's true yeah so it's an illustrious company i'm gonna go with that <laughs> Not um, for sure yeah uh, yeah, 2015 was a year, uh, I think, that if I remember rightly, there was things like uh, The Treatment, Wormwood, sure. stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, and yeah, this closed it out, and I was kind of very outwardly charmed by it, and I'm also quite happy to admit that it scared the shit out of me as well. Wow, okay. Um, and when it ended, I've told the story before, but when it ended, I was like so ready to just like start talking to other people about how great it was. Um, that I was stunned to turn to both my left and my right to have the people that I was sitting with just immediately be like, oh, you know, the interesting thing is that the short that this is based on is actually quite good. And I'm like, what's surprising about that? This was great. Yeah. And uh, yeah, as I headed downstairs I headed downstairs and out of the theater and spoke to more people, I realized that I was kind of not the sole voice of support for the film. I believe that friend of the show, Mark Logan, was also a fan. Right. Okay. Uh, but it became apparent that I was rooting for the underdog in a situation that I assumed would be the reverse of that. Right, right. Okay. I'll get into my thoughts as we progress through this. Um, But, uh, Mitch, (laughs) I'm sure you know what's coming here. 
Oh God, I actually kind of forgot. See, you do that. You do that. You just don't expect it. I have put 30 seconds of time upon the clock. You are, once again, the Time Lord. I am. <laughs> I am the Time Lord. Now, I'm going to start the timer, and I want you, Mitch Bain, to give us your best 30-second synopsis of There Are Monsters. Are you ready? Okay, yes. Cool. Three, two, one, begin. There Are Monsters follows a team of university documentary filmmakers that are shooting promo videos for their university and interviewing alumni. As they go cross-country to do this, uh, they encounter people who behave increasingly erratically and unpredictably, and the kind of emerging theory is a kind of envision of the body snatcher situation where people are having their forms kind of uh, occupied by entities. And the film follows them discovering this. Excellent. That was bang on. Uh, oh, good. I kind of felt, felt like uh, I was. I felt like I was stumbling. But that was exactly thirty seconds. Ah, oh, I'll take that. Yeah. yeah, well done. Happy with that. Um, so yeah, I think that we should just batter right into this. Um, so this film opens with the filmmakers that are going to make up our band of protagonists in a people carrier outside of a convenience store. Yeah. First thing, uh, I didn't know it was a found footage. Well. <laughs> okay. Right, actually, before we jump into this, are you going to address this? I am going to address this. Yeah. I am going to do what I always do and make the concession that this film is not perfect. Right. No, that's fair. Right. Um, I, however, I am also going to say that, like, when I picked this, I was like ready to like absolutely go to bat for it, sure. and I also did have like a, I haven't seen it. I think I've seen it once since uh-huh. I saw it in Glasgow, and you know that thing where I like when I pick something and then I watch it back and I'm like, oh no. Mm-hmm. Did you get a little bit of that? No. Um, oh, okay. So I'm not. What I would say is that this film does have something that is kind of like a kind of an annoyance to me, and I'm imagining would be an annoyance to a lot of other people, which is that it presents itself as a found footage film because obviously you have documentarians, mm. so everyone has a camera, but also you have things like non-diegetic music like score um, is in in some sequences which I find really annoying and also yeah there are angles that could not be shot with a human camera there are whole scenes that uh, there is clearly no other person involved yes so I mean it plays pretty I'd say it plays fast and loose with the found footage format I think that picks it up and discards it whenever it suits yeah sometimes it's fine sometimes it goes unnoticed in films it happens um, and you're like wait who's filming this but uh, it does not go unnoticed. No, I agree. In this film. I, I would say actually, like it, it doesn't bother me a great deal. But I think that I completely understand and sympathise with people who find that to be like a massive bugbear. Though it bothers me in so much as I think if you're presenting a film as a found footage film, which this film sets out to do, mm-hmm. I think if you are then going to shoot stuff that is from a third person point of view, I think you need to lock the camera down and you need to show a very clear shift and style. Okay, yeah, yeah, I agree. Like the smashed camera at the start of Rec 3. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no point shooting the stuff that's not found footage, because it's technically not, in found footage style and handheld shaky cam. Which is which is what happens here, and I agree. I think that like if the if the divide was more clear mm-hmm. between the found footage stuff and the stuff that is like intended to be shot cinematically, I think it would be less of a problem for people. But yeah, kind of bad in it, like we say, we do, you do have kind of like your main core group here, they're kind of gathered in a People carry her outside of a convenience store. Um, a few of them go inside, and one guy is left kind of sitting in this, sitting there by himself. And he kind of looks off to one side and sees this creepy-looking person. Well, you don't know if they're a creepy-looking person, but they're standing doing nothing with their back to him. Yeah, by the way, I'm glad that during your 30-second synopsis, you told me what they were doing. 
on this road trip and what they were shooting because yes. I totally missed that. Um, yeah, it's very easy to miss. Yeah, um, I, I, I pieced I that really together, um, <laughs> like uh, kind of through anecdotal evidence all the way through the film. But uh, so he kind of he starts to get their attention, and you get the first introduction of the kind of style of jump scare that this film is going to deploy. Oh, and it will deploy them with incredible frequency yeah so uh basically and like for anyone that hasn't seen it it's kind of hard to describe because it kind of works because it's punchy but like um somebody basically goes from standing from miles away from having and having their back to you to being immediately right in front of you with their face pressed against the glass yeah and a kind of rictus grin like the black hole sun video yes Uh uh-huh um i personally i think that this jump scare is so effective that like you know they reuse it later Uh, yeah. yeah uh it got me both times Okay, it didn't get me either time. Really, I uh, felt it coming or something similar. I think someone tweeted us actually saying that within two minutes and 45, they'd had a jump scare. Within two minutes and 45, based on their conversation, I was starving because they kept talking about burgers, (laughs) baconocalypse, um, to the point where I went to McDonald's. (laughs) Did did you actually? Yes, I did. That's amazing. Yes, I did. But uh, yeah, I mean. The real monsters here are cholesterol. (laughs) <laughs> in Greece, um, yeah, no, I, I, th- I think that this is really good. And yeah. then, uh, strange the opening credits where um, you have a woman that we later learn is uh, Beth Beth well, Parker. Yeah, and the opening credits has got that annoying search and spotlight effect, <laughs> um, which pans across uh, names that are incredibly difficult to read. They are quite um, hard to read. Yeah, that was my big takeaway from the credits was that oh, there's that uh, search and spotlight effect. It borderline illegible and uh, incomprehensible wording. See, there's a lot of the kind of a lot of the scares and the creepiness in this film feed into things that we oh. Oh, far be it from me, Mitch, to savage somebody's film. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to try. I mean, I'm going to jab at it. Yeah, right? sure. That's what we're here but to do. Kind I of. I actually do feel that, and I'm and, and I'll throw this down now because you're just about to talk about that very thing. Yeah, I actually do think there were moments where it was effectively creepy. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that the visual of the the visual, let's call them the shaky smilers. I was okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> Fine. I find the shaky smilers to be uh, laughable, actually. See, um, I really like them. And the threat is removed. See, when they're just kind of blank-eyed, staring at people and kind of amassing mm-hmm. about them, I find that far more effective. What do you think about their interactions with people? In fact, don't answer that. We'll get to them as they come. Sure. We'll get sure. To them okay. As they arise. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah. So what you've got here in the opening credits, while this is going on, you've got Beth uh, relaying this story about Capgras syndrome. Sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not described as Capgras syndrome until later. Yeah. Um, again, I really like this. You just kind of like there's a, there's a couple of kind of things like that, and they're kind of they're almost played out as like campfire stories, uh-huh. and they come up a couple of times in this. This entire framing device for scary storytelling really appeals to me. So basically, I understand that like you're kind of like thinking the search the search and spotlight thing is the thing that you find distracting. The jump scare doesn't land for you. For me, the first five minutes of this, what I've got is a jump scare that does land, and this kind of spooky anecdote that ticks my boxes in the way that it's told. Yeah, I've got no problem with the anecdote. I'd heard it somewhere before, though. Uh, yeah, and you hear it again later on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but you get a chronology hop here, Mitch. Eight hours earlier. I know you love a chronology hop. Um, and yeah, we launch into some very pudile conversation that I'm all in for. I was going to say, I had a feeling that this would take your boxes, yeah. yeah. Um, basically, yeah, all of the documentarians that we have... Um, Except for Beth. Apart from Beth, yeah, I was just going to say, uh, just being kind of top lads. 
Yeah, yeah, having a, a, a pretty in-depth discussion about uh, the merits or otherwise of each other's penis and indeed the shape and uh, form of each. Yep, and girth. Um, yep. Yeah, is it like a licorice whip? Is it like a beer can? How, how would you categorise yours, Mitch? Um, I'm going to maintain an air of mystery there. <laughs> that flat Kindle panel at the front when you take your past it. I'm going to say mine is poker straight. Okay. And just right. <laughs> <laughs> is that is, is is that kind of is that what the uh, is that what the majority of the comment cards said? <laughs> yeah, the feedback uh, forms. Yeah, uh, it's perfectly fine. <laughs> you giving a three star yeah, Yelp review to your yeah, own penis? Yeah, perfectly. Well, I mean, I, I far be it from me to blow my own horn. As it were, move us off the right. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, you need to get ribs removed to do that. Um, uh, yeah, but they hit the road and stop. They stop to pick up Beth. Yeah, basically. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. What I would say is right, and we talked about this when because when I came in here tonight, you still had twenty five minutes to show this film to watch, <laughs> and um, I asked you how you'd been doing with figuring out character names because I had one until the last half hour of the film, and then I got them all. Yeah, and the only one I had was Beth. Yeah, um, for quite a long. Who's called Parker for quite a lot of it as well. Wait, what? Yeah, her name is Beth Parker, I believe, and she's referred to as Parker quite a few times. Oh, right. It's quite confusing. Didn't even clock that. Uh, but yeah, they stop off at Beth's parents' house, or I guess Beth's house, she's living with her parents, to go pick her up. And in what is uh, the first of a few instances of uh, exposition being relayed through very loud news, uh, news oh, yeah, broadcasts, yeah, 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 yeah. we hear that rolling blackouts yeah. are afflicting the country. And we get hints of a, perhaps some kind of disease, some talk of a vague disease. Yeah, that's that's mentioned, and like again, like see, despite the fact that um, hearing something on the news or on the radio or something like that is a bit played out again. Yeah, again, I just I, I kind of enjoy it as an exposition device as well, like um, in the same way as like you know um, when you hear all the exposition on the radio at the start of In the Mouth of Madness, right? Yeah, stuff like that. Like yeah, I'm, I'm quite into that. Like um, you know, just kind of like uh, people trying to rationalize something that isn't rational, and you know it's not rational, but they don't. Yeah, I'm quite into that. I like that. Um, it's run a bit here where we get another glimpse of uh, our next random stander. <laughs> yeah, yep. Shaky Smaggler number two. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this is when they go to the toll booth, isn't it? Yeah. The completely deserted toll booth. Yep, passing through. They uh, spend a lot of time focusing on why this man's just standing staring in a window with his back to them. Yep. Which is all fine. I'd say quite effective. Effectively creepy, effectively weird. Slightly undone now by the fact that we've already seen the next stage of that, if you like. Yeah, it's also maybe, I mean, because I agree, I think this is quite a cool scene, but I think it's also maybe just a little bit quick to do it again. Yeah, yeah. Potentially. Yeah. Um, I think if we if you hadn't seen the, you know, when she does that against the car, right? Yes. Right at the start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if they kept that to the next time mm-hmm. and you maybe heard it or something or didn't need to see it at all. I think that would have made. I think that would make the creepy standards more. I think it would. I think effective. It, it would give it more of a build. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, I I, I agree with that. Right. Um. Uh, yeah. So they go to shoot uh, alumnus alumnus number one. Yeah. Uh, while they're prepping for this, because she's she is um she's a primary teacher. Yeah, she is. And yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I am reminded exactly how much I am not cut out for primary teaching. <laughs> And uh, based on uh, my conversation a moment ago about the shape of your penis, uh, I'm probably not either. No, that's probably <laughs> true. Um, yeah, I think it was at this point that I realised that they were shooting market, marketing videos for the university. Again, I thought that um, there's a nice seeding of something creepy here. Oh, with the little Asian kid? With the, yeah, the little kid yeah, who, yeah, yeah. Um, they're like, well, this kind of like innocuous shoot is going on. Um, 
Terry, one of our documentarians, um, is trying to make small talk with this kid who uh, won't talk back to him. But also when he inspects his uh, lunchbox, he sees uh, a, like a slab of raw meat and a chunk of hair. Yes, it very much seems to be kidney. Aye, kidney. Aye, um, I would say that's fair. Yeah, and uh, yeah, like you said, some scalp. Yeah, uh, I uh, like, and again, uh, I think it's really, I think that that's really good. Again, I'm just like, I was just like, wow, what the fuck is that? And I think it works really nicely. I also think it's really good when they try and draw it to the teacher's attention, and she's like, oh, no, it's just like uh, it's a cultural thing. It's a cultural she thing. Plays it off as that like the guy's racially profiling the Asian kid for eating weird shit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I actually, I actually think that's really funny. I don't know if it's played that way or not. No, I thought it was funny as well. Yeah. Do you think? Do, do you think it's played for laughs? Because I, because I can't decide. Mm, I can't decide either. There are a lot of things that I laughed out loud at that I definitely don't think were played for laughs later. Mm. I, but I, I would say like the w- the way that this unfolds, I think it maybe is. But yeah, this this this, this kind of sequence all wraps up kind of quickly, and then they're back on the road again. At this point, uh, Beth gets out to use a uh, bathroom, out of, yeah, like a petrol station or something yeah, like that. Teddy, one of the guys, he's. Uh, Flying off the handle with suspicion by this point. Early doors. Yeah, between the creepy stander and the creepy child. But yeah, he's he's definitely, I think, the first one out there that's trying to kind of connect some dots here. Uh, yeah, I really like this scene as well. Uh, when Parker gets out to use the bathroom, uh, she's uh, Parker, Beth. Um, <laughs> she's what I'm talking about. Um, she gets out to use the bathroom. She's in a bathroom cubicle. By the way, her best pal in this film, easily the worst actor out of the kind of four main characters. Oh, uh, um, uh, Jeff. The yeah. other, the other, he, he's kind of he's kind of the the male protagonist. Yeah, yeah. They are best friends, and their names are Beth and Jeff. Yep. Fuck off. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I th- um, she gets out and she's in the toilet cubicle and at this point you see a conversation going on between two twins. Yeah. Two I mean, twins. That's, ba- that's about it, generally it, as many as you get. Is it backwards? It's manipu- it's manipulated audio certainly, yeah. um, which again I kind of I kind of like. I think it's kind of cool. But then she's looking out and she's like, "Fucking hell, that girl's putting her makeup on a bit weird. She could just be Courtney Love." I mean, that is true. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like, I've never heard Courtney Love talk like that though. Um, yeah, I, I, I again, I like this. I think it's kind of creepy. I think that also what I would say though is that at this point we're probably around about maybe the ten or eleven minute mark in the film, and there has been a lot of seeding going on. There has, and we get uh, another. Well, we get a first real glimpse of the. Uh, I guess that I'm going to continue to call it the black hole sun face. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm happy with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they pull this out constantly. Yeah, that's used a lot. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And then round about this time as well. Where we get some more weirdness in the form of some creepy kids and pig masks. Yeah, um, uh, this is a bit of a strange one to me. I think that, and we've spoken already about our difference of opinion on the effectiveness of the shaky smilers, mm-hmm. but I find that the kids in pig masks are considerably less effective as a visual and as an antagonist than the shaky smilers because you've seen people in animal masks a million times oh i filmed that and uh, i think that that's that's way less interesting to me than especially kind of like like you say i think that like the less that you see the shaky smilers in full-on psychotic mode yeah um i think that when you see them kind of more as uh this kind of more like threat kind of looming i think that like i I think that that's really effective i think that the pig mask stuff less so right okay Mm -hmm. well i'm more than inclined to agree with that to be honest and the, the longer this continues, we just see way more people, random standing, um, backs to the, I guess, backs to the people who aren't. Yep. Uh, yep. Who aren't taking over. Yeah. Do you want to just call them humans? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> you can call them that. It's crazy enough to work. Um, 
Now, this is a scene where, as we talked about, the found footage uh, conceit is completely abandoned. Um, when uh, Beth runs into her friend, who is stockpiling a gigantic amount of bottled water. And what is this woman? What is this woman? Uh, she, uh, she's just a school, uh, a ch- school friend, friend, something like that. Yeah, she ch- happened upon on a journey across America. To be fair, they haven't gone to Canada far at this point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're having this conversation in the kind of car park. She's felt like I said, she's filling the boot of her car absolutely to the brim with bottled water, and she asks her this very sp- like she asks Beth this very specific question about um, their childhood. Yeah, it was like a book that they were reading? Or I, a, think it's a, I think or it's a, like um, a poster that went all the way around oh, the classroom yeah. wall. And um, obviously this feels weird to Beth because she hasn't connected the dots yet. Sure, obviously sure, this sure. is a test because... Uh, this is a test because if she had been inhabited by one of these things, then she wouldn't have these early memories. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I like this as well. Again, when I realized what she was doing, I thought it was kind of cool. I think that there's a lot of individual moments of things like that um, where you kind of just you piece it together slightly before they do, and I really like that. Well, yeah, I think uh, no scene is that more obvious than the scene that follows up pretty quickly after this in the store, in the abandoned empty store. I love this. Okay, make your case then. Um, I just like I, I just really like it front to back. I think everything about from when she goes into the store is great. Like the fact when she goes in, there's this kind of post-apocalyptic vibe in that it looks totally deserted initially and you see some things have been knocked off the shelf and stuff and then you see the clerk standing in this kind of weird-looking dingy background you can see through those kind of weird... Those plastic those, danglers? Yeah, plastic danglers, thank you. Uh, <laughs> people haven't seen the film, they will not know what we mean by that. <laughs> those plastic you know the curtains? Things, the, the plastic the, yeah. curtain thing that you pass through, uh, like, in the back of a shop. Um, but, she, so, but eventually, this extremely over-friendly and very strange uh, kind of uh, shopkeeper comes out and starts yeah. talking to her um, and kind of like calls her hun all the time and is like really kind of uh, over convivial the entire time but with those cold dead eyes nothing behind that eyes with those cold dead eyes and I just think I love when she kind of motions towards the crisps that have been knocked onto the ground and she's like I'm not responsible for that mess and the shopkeeper's like oh that's just kids they won't do that again that's for sure yeah like like that and then when she tries to buy the ice cream and she's like oh um why didn't you go through into the back into the, the it's like, oh, these are all melted that freezer's fucked that yeah. freezer was not fucked no 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 she wanted to lure her in there where she would be food for not chuds but certainly thems thems yeah yeah <laughs> Others, the others. others, yeah. Um, because apparently, I didn't actually spot this in the scene, but uh, when Beth comes out and reads and describes this later, mm-hmm. uh, she says that there's visibly a second person. Oh no, you can see there's the a shadow. Ah, yeah, yeah. There's okay. a shadow through the the plastic cotton thing. Um, not at all hiding, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> make, making it quite an unappealing proposition to go through there. All there is back there is a freezer that's like works better than this one, and you just see this kind of guy being like, "Hello." <laughs> no, that's exactly what it's like. You're like <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to go in there because you've said there's no one here, but there's that there's, guy. There's that guy. <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely that guy. There's that guy who's crouched in full view in attack stands licking a knife. Yeah, also, the shop owner quickly reveals that she has blood all over her hands. Yes, I was just going to say. Uh, but, pretty off-putting. Yeah, I was going to say. Am I showing the butcher? Uh, yeah, and even then, it's not great. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, uh, Beth flees at this point. Again, I think understandably, under the circumstances, uh, relays all this to everybody. I think that at this point, we're like, I feel like all the characters at different points in the map, how quickly they're putting this together. Oh, yeah. Uh, Terry, he's, he's fucking... I think the pig mask thing was a straw that broke the camel's back with Terry. Absolutely. he's full crazy now. He says at one point, why do people keep showing me their backs? And I was like, fuck off. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. 
I wonder how much of this, given the, the nature of how it's shot and the nature of how it's put together, I wonder how much of this is scripted. That would be interesting to know. And how much was loosely storied and the rest was filled in by the actors. I would be very curious about that. I found Jay Dal's Twitter today. I might try and reach out to him to ask some of these questions. I'd be well, very maybe curious. don't after this. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, I can be I can be honest about how much I like the film. Sure. Uh, sure yeah. Bear's mentioning that while this is going on, we also do get a longer version of the jump scare that we saw at the start. I mean, literally the same footage. But um, this is what I think really kind of tips Terry over the edge because yeah, he gets this jump scare now. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. like yeah. in real time. This is yeah. when this happens, and yeah, that kind of uh, that kind of sets him off. And uh, yeah, as they're fleeing, we kind of see something else. You know, how you're talking about people uh, standing with their back away. Sure, sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Battle with their back to them. I actually have that as um, uh, people standing in monster stands. Monster stands. Yeah, right, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you had somebody standing in monster stands uh, as the car's leaving. Um, and yeah, at this point, I think that, like I think like I say, I think that when this film needs to kind of bunker down and get creepy i think that it gets it right a lot of the time huh. are you willing to throw down here mitch and say kind of speculate on what you believe these creatures are uh i think it's very difficult to tell are you do you imagine they're extraterrestrial in origin or do you think they're very much terrestrial uh creatures that have wormed their way into society because i i prefer the notion that they're terrestrial okay but mm-hmm. that's because i always do uh, given a lot of the, the blackouts and power cuts and stuff, I don't know, I lean slightly more towards an extraterrestrial bent. I think I think that, uh, don't, don't get me wrong, If I, with a gun in my head, if I was choosing which one I think it is, you I would say, say an extraterrestrial. Right, so the but, film should have been called Dare Aliens. If you'd like, yeah, but like... Because <laughs> that was leading me into my, my, uh, my, my next question. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah, I mean, are they in fact monsters? Do we know? Um, no, I don't yeah. think so. I, 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 I don't think that that's ever directly addressed. There's never a... I was wondering if I'd maybe missed something. There's never a direct figuring out of any of this. It's still it's very much in the ether and very much... Uh, yeah. Right. Okay. But um, I think that, yeah, it, like I say, if pressed, I would say that it's aliens. But I think that also, given the option, I would also train my brain to think that it's not aliens because I prefer it when it isn't. Uh, An example of this that I can think of is, like, see, a few years ago, and it's a fair few years ago now, do you remember a film called Dark Skies? I do remember Dark Skies, yes. Right, I did not like Dark Skies. It, no, it, nor did I, it no. Kind of, it kind of had the feel of, like, what if it was now, it would be, like, a, like, $3 million Blumhouse thing, which would probably make a lot of money and there would be four of them. <laughs> um, but there's a point in that film where I just to briefly spoil another film. Oh, who cares? Um, I think like um, no one's going to give a fuck about you spoiling Dark Skies. This is very true, actually. Yeah, but there's an unreliable narrator element to it. Or at least I hope there was going to be, because okay. like the entire time it's heavily alluded that it's going to be aliens. And at one point towards the end, it very, very convincingly seeds the idea that I think it's like a kid or something has like constructed all of this in his head to deal with his like grief or familial trauma or something uh-huh. like that. And I'm like, holy shit, if this happens, this film goes from a two-star film to a four-star film. <laughs> and then when I realized that they baited it with me and they were like, you've been lampooned, it's aliens. I was like, it's just gone from a two-star film to a one-star film because <laughs> I was so furious that the one was getting it right. Um, so yeah, don't like aliens in general. <laughs> evil idiots I mean not many people are courageous enough to take an anti-alien stance I, I don't mind I wear, my, I wear my hatred for aliens on my sleeves <laughs> down with them I say down with them down with them yeah. tell you what I did like I, there's a scene in a dentist's office uh, yeah this is next uh, yeah. yeah this is an, another another alumnus who's gone on to be a dentist sure, this is what sure. they're there to shoot. Um, yeah. but there's a scene with a weird little because uh, it kind of at first glance it plays very much like uh, she's a creepy uh, kind of Children of the damned type blonde kid. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it very quickly becomes apparent that, in fact, no, she is uh, very much uh, human, as you uh, termed us. Thanks. Uh-huh. You're welcome. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I did, I did indeed coin that phrase. Yeah, it is, in fact, her dad who is uh, a stander. Yeah, John Monsterman. Yeah. Um, and I, I really like the... Uh, this moment where she's kind of mouth and help me. Yeah, I think kind of, I think the sequence is great. I like the fact that it kind of plays with. There's a whole other subtext to that, which I think is quite interesting, and it's one of the more interesting moments. I agree. I I think that, and I I think that the fact that the kid looks so creepy and looks so children at the corny is not an accident. I think that like, <laughs> I like. I mean, your eye is drawn to the kid as being like, oh yeah, this is going to be. It's going to be a creepy kid scene. Oh, 100%. And, and I, I think that the way that that unfolds is really great as well. When Because when the kid kind of like... Because she's kind of sitting with her dad. She's like, on you go. And she immediately just like bursts forth and like hugs the dentist and holds yeah. on for dear life and all that kind of thing. I'm like, so into that. I love it. And um, the only thing that I... I th- didn't mind it. Yeah. The only thing that I think lets this scene down, and we're talking about... We talked about it briefly before. Um, the ways in which this film abandons the found footage conceit. I found the editing of the whole film quite poor and it was right i think it was round about here i started to notice it where it's kind of jumping from the black hole sun smile to um back to the guy just being normal and only certain people are seen they seem to be seeing things in the way it's edited yeah um, um i don't like yeah or certainly it maybe even seemed like people were only seeing certain things through the kind of through the extra additional eye of a lens yeah i mean i um, I, I think that right I mean, I agree with everything you just said. I think that I think that there are a lot of things that if you go full, if you if you go kind of like shot by shot with this, then I, and try to figure out how it holds up with the logic of how the film purports to be in yeah. terms of like found footage and all that kind of thing, it slips up like quite egregiously. Okay, uh, here, but I would say that if you are kind of on board if you're along for the ride at this point, then I think that you can kind of skirt past that because it does feverish moments quite well. What I would say yanks you out of it more, and what I think is more of a problem for me is, and we, I talked about it earlier, is um, the score. Yeah, because I, I, I just scored in the scene. I was like, I was like, where is that baseline coming from? <laughs> Could you imagine if the camera just like panned back and there just been a guy like furiously <laughs> playing bass in the corner? <laughs> Flee. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the scene's terrifying, but where's that funky bass like coming from? <laughs> Uh, there's also a line run about here. Uh, I think it's Terry again says that little girl was petrified before she even came in. I believe she was there before they were. Oh, I would have to watch back. Um, I would have to watch back. But that's okay. Um, then we get we kind of have this discussion again that we saw a little bit of over the credits, um, where uh, Beth talks again about Capgras syndrome and tells the same story again that we've already heard. Um, but this whole time. They're like in a cafe or a like a, a, a restaurant or whatever, and um, they are not talking in hushed tones. This is a conversation I would very much have under my breath. I think that if I was in working a huddle format, yeah. If I think if me and my friends were working on a theory that we had reasonable anecdotal evidence to back up that regular humans were having their kind of human shapes or human forms consumed and occupied by otherworldly entities who can mostly move around and generally interact reasonably convincingly with other people, I would not be shouting that theory from the rooftops uh, in rooms full of people. No, 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 no. Definitely um, not. That's actually a very good observation. I didn't think about that. But like. <laughs> she is, like, leaning back in her chair, talking extremely loudly uh, about this stuff. Yeah, no. 
Yeah, it's um, Capgrass syndrome. <laughs> yeah, and way before uh, the Stoner guy is actually also revealed to be a monster. Um, a uh, Stoner guy, Dan. I yeah, I have written Tyrians. way before that point in the film. Sorry to jump ahead that that happens, but way earlier I've written, hey, the Stoner guy smiles like a weird creature anyway. That's actually not a million miles off the mark. That is, uh, that is very fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, we get some frothing sexual tension here between Beth and Jeff. Uh, yeah, because they they kind of they get to like the motel that they're staying at at this point, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's at that point that they're both where they're they're both wearing their is it like jerseys from when they were on a sports team together? I want to say, uh, are they che- were they cheerleaders? Possibly, like, that's I, like, the vibe I got. Cer- they were certainly on some kind of team together. Certainly, yeah, I think that like yeah, at some point in their academic career, they were both involved with the sports team. They were working towards the same end, and they have a matching chant. <laughs> they do have a matching chant, which they do. Uh, they perform it here. Um, uh, Chekhov's chant. Another a kind of a kind of cool callback, I think, is that rather than having exposition unfold in the background on the news here, what you have is just a static camera pointing at an empty news desk. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I was going to that too. I mean, but, don't get me wrong; that would be weird to see. Yeah, right. I, 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 like I say, I think that this film throws little pieces of elemental weirdness onto the pile in a way that is really endearing to me. I'm going to tell you. I mean, I didn't front to back hate the film. No, I, 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 I think that the volume of bile that is thrown in its direction is really, really harsh. I didn't front to back hate it. No. But I didn't especially like it. I thought there was some cool things. And yeah, if you turned on the telly and the news at 10 and George Alagaya was on there or whoever. Yeah. Or Moira Stewart. I don't know if she still does the news. <laughs> or Trevor McDonald. Don't yeah. know if he still does the news. But if you turned it on, <laughs> expecting to see that face. And there was nobody there. Say, and not only was the, were, na- were they yeah. not there. there you turned no on one. the Daily Show where Seth Miles is not there. It's because the Daily Show is hosted by Trevor Noah. Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like Seth Meyers isn't hosting the Daily Show, and he's also not hosting uh, Late Night with Seth Meyers. No, that is his name. So yeah. it, would make, it's, it would make sense that he did a show with his name in the title. It's something like that. It's something like that. It's kind of like the Daily Show with Trevor Noah, if you like. And that's for the American fans. <laughs> yeah, it's about time we did something that was just for the American fans. We do very, a lot of very uniquely British references. And so we clearly knew nothing, so... Uh, <laughs> that was our attempt. Yeah, um, but yeah, they're in the motel at this point. Like you say, we get this kind of background between uh, Jeff and Beth, uh, or Jeff, or, if you'd prefer. Or, or Beth. <laughs> or Beth, yeah. <laughs> um, introduction of a one-scene character here that I think puts in a pretty interesting performance. Yeah, I think she, do- I think she does okay. She sweep- swoops right into this, hot- this hotel room. And uh, Lynn? Lynn, yes, causes a ruckus. Um, and drop some truth bombs all over the place. I really like how her intro plays out here. I like that the, the madder she gets, Jeff kind of goes over and he's like, well, it's getting quite late. Time yeah. to go. <clears throat> oh, look at the time. You're freaking everybody. But no, I like it when she shows up because um, it sounds like she's just kind of griping about the fact they were loud when uh, they came in. Because she's like, oh, I heard you come in and you were very loud. There was lots of swearing and laughing and stuff, and lots of or lots of language. And it sounds to begin with that she's gonna kind of she's kind of like chastising them for this. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. It's like, no, that was what I needed to know to know that I could come and talk to you. Which yeah, I also yeah. thought was kind of cool. But anyway, yeah, Lynn. Yeah, I mean, there's a moment, right? And, and I genuinely think that she puts on one of the best performances in the film for the short period of time that she's on the screen. But there's one thing she says that when I was like, hang on, that's the weirder thing. That's the weirdest thing in the whole film. Uh, she's talking about her husband and how her husband started to, like, she started to notice things were weird. She started to notice that he smelt different. Um, she started to notice that things he probably shouldn't be forgetting, mm-hmm. he was starting to forget or acted as if he'd never known in the first place. 
and she says something like, oh, we'd been married, or we'd been together for a thousand years. Oh my god. That's the film's central mystery. <laughs> Who are they? Is everyone a monster? Just different breeds of monster? Also, what do you call that anniversary if you've been married for a millennium? I think, I mean, what's better than a, di- a diamond? I think you get an original boxed Optimus Prime. <laughs> Excellent, um, but yeah, no. To be to be fair, like I mean, considering that Lynn basically turns up in this film to be an exposition bomb, she really uh, does. I mean, that is her soul. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know if I'd have opened the door. But uh, no, that's probably also fair. But I think that, like the way that this unravels is good. I think that, like I think that she like nothing that goes wrong with this scene has anything to do with her performance. Uh, she, some of it's what's written. Yes, that's yeah. what that's what I mean. Yeah. I think oh, that really? like I think that like there's a very clear dividing line between um, somebody who I think is obviously capable, and I think that she. Oh, yeah. You're right. I think that no for problem. a one scene performance, I think it, like her mark on the film is indelible. Like, but I, I, th- I I think that it's a very clear like it get, as that kind of gets towards its back end, and I know what you're going to say, and I'm going to let you say. Well, it. I have back to back notes here, right? So this is one note where I say this Lynn woman is decent. Yep. Right, and then the following note is. Their demon face, for fuck's sake. Yes. Uh, yeah. Because um, she says, oh, you can see the backs of their heads or something. Yeah, because it hides their demon face. And I was just like, oh, Christ. Yeah, that's pretty go. silly. But, like, I'm... Well, the assumption in Lynn's part's clearly demon, not uh, alien. This is very true, actually. Yeah, yeah, so Lynn's more in my camp. Again, I like the fact that her family burst in at this point and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, she's schizophrenic and she's off her meds. And they're like, oh, is this true? And there's like seeds of doubt again. And they drag her out and throw her into a car. I was really surprised that you didn't get a Black Hole Sun smile here. I was amazed you didn't get a Black Hole Sun smile. I thought it was incredibly restrained from her clearly demonic family. Yes, yeah. I, I was almost sure that one of them would shoot a wee uh, end of the thriller video over the shoulder. Uh, one. Go back to the big smile of Dan, Stoner Dan. Stoner Dan, the yes. Man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's right about this point that suspicions start to arise about his personality and his forgetfulness. Part of it is put down to the fact that he does smoke a lot of weed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perhaps that that's now having an effect on his short-term memory. But uh, in more real terms than that, they believe that he is, in fact, a monster man. Yeah, there's. I think. I think it's fair to say that there are like divisions in the camp at this point. On that, you, on that point. I'll tell you what I thought was quite cool. When they get up in the morning and they go out, a tiny bit on the nose, I would say, but uh, when they leave in the morning and all the hotel rooms have got, like, daubings on the doors, mm-hmm. like, like their room has kind of three lines painted on them and, like, some of the other rooms have kind of different configurations of lines and they're speculating that it could be how many people are inside and they, they talk about, about that that's what the Nazis used to do with the Jews like in the run-up to the Holocaust and surrounding all that horror. But then they're like, but wait, there's four of us. Oh. So immediately planting the, the almost certain truth that one of them is, in fact, a monster man. Yeah, fair one. I like that. I quite like that. I quite like that. I like the visual of it, actually, when they came out and all the doors have the have the black kind of paint on them. Yeah, it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, yeah. I like that a lot, too. Thank you for bringing that up. I might have burned right past it. <laughs> You're nothing else if not fair. No problem. Um, another interview at this point, um, or at least they're waiting for one. <laughs> See this is fucking mental to did, me. Did you just think that they were going on a tour of random locations? No, like, no, Why no, 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 I didn't, no. But by this point, normalcy returns to this group in record time. Like, they're laughing, they're having a great time, they're on their way to the next recording thing. Like, all this madness that they've endured in the past kind of day or two is completely forgotten at this point. And I was like, what the fuck are they doing? Like, wh- why is this their decision? Why... 
are their guards lowered all of a sudden? Aye, okay, yeah. I think at this point, I think that if I'd been in their position, I would say that my... I think my inclination wouldn't necessarily be like, well, um, this is all getting increasingly erratic and disturbing and weird, but I think it's really important (laughs) that we stay on deadline. (laughs) I mean, I will say, though, probably my... The first moment in this film where I went, I could be on board with this. Okay. It's coming up pretty shortly. Right. I'd imagine you know which part that is. I don't know. A few things happen here. There's one thing in particular that floated my boat more than anything else that happened. Well, more than one other moment in the film, um, okay. which comes a little bit later again. But uh, this part, I would say, I was like, hang on, I like, I'm into this, I'm into this, I can get on board with this, more of this. Is it when the uh, old lady in the place, when they're waiting to interview the person, has the coughing fit and then cops up the beast? Exactly that. Yeah. Yeah, she's got this big goiter swelling out her throat and she's spraying gunk out her mouth and then this gross mound arriving tissue drops out her mouth Yeah, and then a torrent of sludge and slime. I, I almost stood up and clapped. I think as well that like, I mean I think this is really cool and I think that like actually as well for a film that obviously wasn't made of very much money Yeah, yeah. I think that this entire thing plays out very nicely. By the way not badly done. No, I don't think so at all. Done, yeah, yeah. done at all and I think I think sometimes scenes like that with an effect like that are actually you can kind of enhance them a little bit with the, the found footage style because a lot of the shakiness and whip pans and stuff like that that you, you would naturally do when you're trying to take in as much of this chaos as you possibly can kind of enhances and hides a lot of the imperfections if there are any and makeup effects or digital stuff um, and I think here, I mean, I think it looks great. I think it's a yeah. strong effect and it works. What I would say is, and I'm I, like, I, I, I think, like I said, I think you're being very even-handed here. I think you're, you're like, you I'm know, nothing if not even-handed. I think so. No, um, I what I would say is that I think that this marks a very, very sudden gear shift in the actual tone of the film, and it's something that brings things that work and don't work in kind of equal measure for me. Right. Okay. Go on. But we can, well, I mean, let's just like, we can kind of get them as we uh, get them as we kind of as we get there. I think that actually I'm going to do a kind of shit sandwich thing here. Okay. I have just been nice, but I will say I feel that this is where the bad editing starts to really show and then doesn't really let up until the end. I don't mind saying that I, for as much as, and I, I, I do, as I'm sure it's coming across, I have like a, a, a real, uh, real kind of like um, affection for this film and I'm not yeah. entirely sure why that is. But <laughs> what I would say is, and I should have said it at the start, like I'm, I am not here to speak in defense of some of the technical elements of this no, film. No, 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 that's, I, that's I, fine. And, and I will say, I mean, there are films that I love beyond measure and I don't really know why I like them because if I was to look at them, like you say, from a technical perspective, they fall down in almost every aspect. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, at the time I watched them or whatever, they just spoke to me or sung to me and stuck with me. Yep, um, and, and I, I don't know, there's something about this. There's an, there's an element of that. There's a swipe of that. Well, I'm never going to... I'm, I can't, I'm not, not going to take that away from you, but I can only tell you my feelings, I suppose. Yeah, and I think that, like... And what I would say is, I think that, like, as as kind of, like... I mean, and let's not forget that, like, uh, I haven't seen as much stuff as everybody else, and in 2015, I definitely hadn't. Sure. Yeah. And, like, um, <laughs> yeah. and I think that, like, watching this again with fresh eyes, when I have seen way more stuff, and I kind of... I know a lot more about what goes into making a film and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and I think that it is difficult to not see these things a little bit more. Sure, 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 sure. But at the same time, it's like, I also took... I'm not going to say that it didn't take anything away from it, and what I would say is that it's probably around about this time when the entire tone of the film gets a little bit more feverish that I agree that I think the kind of the editing and stuff like that um, and how choppy that is yeah. um, starts to grate on me a little bit more. And I think that because it's so 
blasé about how it picks up and drops the found footage. Sure. <laughs> that the fact that it's edited so choppily feels like it's not to any real end. Yeah, no, like like yeah, like yeah, if yeah. it had been like a kind of an authentically found footage thing, then I think that it might have irked me a little less. Well, it's still running about this point though that I started going, turn your fucking cameras off now. Right, well, that's I it. that's yeah. it. Um, I also think that that criticism has been leveled at so many found footage films over the years that there's no reason to not write around it. Yeah, at this point, I think that you and have to have a contrivance. Try. I mean, they do that thing where uh, cameras are pointed at feet for an extended period of time, or they're just sat in the dark. Um, which, there's yeah, a couple which... of scenes in this, which was extended conversations uh, on a pitch black screen. Yep, and uh, yeah, you're right. I call it, like, and that kind of thing I can kind of get on board with. Actually, I know that some people find that really maddening, but um, yeah, well, sometimes when it was just like when it was just like a camera pointing upwards at a skyline and a moving car, it's like, well, you just threw that in there because you needed to get away. Yeah. Also, at this point, we we actually learn that Dan is in fact a monster. I would have quite liked them to have flipped the script on that a little bit more and made it somebody else. I know it's unlikely they were going to make it Beth or Jeff. I uh, know. And I think Terry's send-off is quite funny, so I'm glad it stayed in. That's but fair, but I know what you mean, I know what you mean. At, at the same time, it was like, yeah, we know Dan's a monster, we've known for ages. <laughs> 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 I do like I do like the um, uh, the slight levelling up of the uh, instant window-looking jump scare when he literally breaks the windshield because he, uh, lunges, he does the one-frame lunge so yeah. hard. Yeah. Going to that. But uh, yes, Dan is a monster. Beth was correct. Um, right before they find this out, I think it's really cool when Dan kind of sees someone and follows and um, when they're sitting in the room before all this kicks off and uh, they're looking through Dan's diary and it starts off with kind of all this poetry and stuff like that but as they go through it it just becomes like feverish scribblings well you see a lot of that like you see uh, well, the, the crossword the crossword in the dentist's office and I think there's stuff in the school with the, the little, like back with the little Asian kid and stuff like that yeah but uh, yeah I mean that's I, I quite like that kind of stuff I like those little hints I feel that the, the moments where they're hinting at things work far better than the moments where they're throwing it right at you. Like I, literally I, throwing I, them at you. I, I agree. I think that I think that almost everything that this film does by implication, it gets 100% right. I feel like it's a mix of Body Snatchers and kind of like Us, I suppose. There's a lot of Us in there as well, but Body Snatchers is so subtle. Yeah. And this film uses a lot of that subtlety, but then just immediately and scene by scene there's a lot of nice subtle little moments that are immediately tossed away by something mental happening or something ridiculous or some weird writing that just under like totally kind of unpicks yeah 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 i mean I, I agree i agree with that to a certain point but yeah i think that the world is getting very overtly monstery at this point well yeah there's a, a squad of them uh chasing our heroes now yeah um, absolute chaos um <laughs> when they kind of flee the scene eventually they get to a house that i initially thought was abandoned as it turns out it's just a mess as well uh, i've written here i feel like the film's about to jump the shark i think that that is too harsh a way to describe it but i think that there's an element of truth to what you're saying when we, they walked into that house and we saw the old late the, like the old guy and the the weird lady Am I right in thinking there was a kid sitting in a paddling, in a paddling pool, pool in the living yeah. room with a pair of goggles on? Uh, yes, that that's is the kind correct. of thing I would have done when I was a kid. I was a weirdo, but uh, yeah, that was at that point I thought, "Is this going? What is happening here? What the fuck's going to go? What is going on here? Is this film about to go in a way that is insane?" And it, it, it does to a certain degree. It does to a certain degree, but it, I'm I'm glad it keeps its level of madness round about where it's already been at this point. Yeah, I also really like it right when they get there and Jeff is looking for another car and he says to the man, he's like, uh, is that your car outside? Do you have the keys? And I like the tone of resignation to the old man who doesn't have any interest in really having a conversation with yeah. him. He's just like, have you come for us? That's right, yeah. yeah um, but they're already monsters. Are they? Or she certainly is. She's uh, certainly um, uh, prophesizing about the end of the world very, very uh, heavy-handedly. 
But then she says something like she she says a line like um, it's just the beginning or it's happening or something. Like it's that. happening, which is echoed later. In and the then it cuts to my second favorite moment in the film, where it cuts to an amazing scene of a guy having his arms eaten by some kids. Yes, yeah, like a yeah, just unspecified man in another room of this house, yeah, getting devoured from two sides, yeah, an arm each, gulped down by kids. That is quality from the arms. That is, it's awesome. It's going to get difficult to swallow him when you get to the oak store. Yeah, that's where that's going to get tricky. That's where you start needing utensils. <laughs> uh but yeah the uh the kind of the monsters uh descend we've got another kind of window looking jump scare here uh with like with a wee girl outside See, by this point this is getting tiresome to me that's maybe the only one that doesn't land for me but i, I in general i'm very much in support of those jump scares they <laughs> beth and jeff there we go. Um, they take cover in either. Never an, not stupid. I like. I, I, I didn't. I don't see which way they took. They take cover in what is either an attic or a basement. Um, I didn't see which way the stairs went. It's pitch black. This is when you're talking about. You've got these kind of protracted conversations um, in the dark. They try to map a route out by uh, taking photos using the yeah, flash this, on the Jeff's flash phone. Photography. I don't hate this. Like, see, like when they t- when I'm not a fan of the sound design. I've got to be honest. Oh, that is the kind of the the. Despite the fact that they're taking the photos on a camera phone, it sounds very much like the opening scene of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes, correct. Um, <laughs> Which you would know, having just watched it. Recently. Indeed, yeah, very fresh. Very fresh. Yeah, yeah um, well, I think that, um, and I like the fact that you know, on the like on the first photo when they're looking at it, and uh, she in the flash, she's like, "Oh, I think that there's somebody there," and then obviously by the third one, it's very obvious that there's somebody there. Yeah, I quite like that for a build, but I also think that see using the flash photography as a prelude to a jump scare thing, I don't know if i'll ever see a version of that that i like more than when it happens in saw uh, which i think is just great and it's and i'm not in lee wano's apartment yes yeah yeah. Yeah. and uh i'm not saying that's the first time that that has ever happened in a film but it's certainly the first time i ever saw it i thought it was really cool Okay. And because of that, that's the uh, that's the yardstick i use to measure that (laughs) i think that um, (laughs) to measure uh, photographic jump scales yeah (laughs) sure how quick do you suppose this process is this changing process well, it seems I mean, incredibly fast. Yeah, I think it's a lot of the time it's very difficult to tell. I think up to this point in the film, because like you see, by the time you see people, they're very much already. Yeah, they're already swapped out, if you like. And why is that? A, I mean, it's weird to me that there's also a, a clear decision on some of these creatures' parts to kill people. Yeah, this is the thing. But this is what. But I mean, I do don't under, based on what they, I'm saying, Mitchell, I don't understand their motivations. But do they do they become killing machines once they once they become inhabited? Do like does it does a monster inhabit a human to have them kill other humans? But is that, that an inhabitation? Is that what we're dealing with here, or are we dealing with a duplication? Well, there's another question. I assumed I assumed inhabitation because um, wow, hang on a minute, mind blown. I was gonna say that I assumed inhabitation because you never see like an original. Sure. But you do, mm. arguably, because yes. there's those twins. Yes. So maybe there's it is... There's several a... sets of twins. So Yeah. Yeah, because there's the second set of twins when they're yeah. um, when they're in the place where the woman... Ch- sticks up the... up the blob. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if I just... I'm a moron. No, you're right. I'm all, I, I am almost certain now that it's duplication. Yeah, I feel like it's a doppelganger situation. Yeah, as yeah, yeah. To, as opposed to a, an inhabitation. So, yeah. Why do they kill people? Yeah, I, I, to me, it just defeats the, the very purpose of the so many questions. The mission, yeah. yeah. Jay, let us know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, or, or don't. Yeah, maybe I'll write it on a note and uh, attach it to a brick. Uh, <laughs> I'll it through the window of HQ. <laughs> um, while this basement slash attic stuff is going on for Jeff, um, outside 
what's going on with Terry being set upon by the pig mask kid, I think is not compelling viewing at all until it pays off. Oh, the horse-faced girl. The horse-faced girl. When she arrives on the scene, I am uh, the horse mask-faced girl. Yeah. <laughs> not, just, yeah, it's not, not just not just a weird-looking kid. Um, I think this only really takes shape. Um, this, this scene only really works, only really pays off when she shows up. Yeah. I think that everything involving the car being stalked by the kid in the pig mask isn't that great. I was incredibly, incredibly bold, and then I was like, oh, just hurry up and do the do the shaky dash. Um, yeah. And then uh, she stepped forward and ripped the car door off. Yeah, and then they ate him. What I really liked as well is he's in the car, he's like, I'll fucking kill you, come and fucking get me, come on, you motherfuckers. And then it cuts to outside the car and you can't hear him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's played for laughs, I think. Uh, uh, uh. I think so, yeah. It has to be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after, but so yeah, we've pretty much, we've lost Terry at this point. We're back in the basement slash attic. We've got uh, Jeff and Beth trying to get away. Uh, we hear more manipulated audio, more jump scares by the spooky twin. And more shaky smiling. More shaky smiling. Jeff and Beth escape somehow still alive, or are they? Well, yeah, they regroup in a random car by the roadside. And yeah, they take off driving. Mm-hmm. And they find their hometown, uh, get back. There's actually another kind of like, there's a kind of uh, a, another kind of offshoot jump scare sequence here where they get back, they find Beth's family. It seems like they might be normal. And they take a look around and every other house on the street has like uh, monsters at their windows and all that kind of thing. But ultimately what, what, we're, what we're driving at here is that we have this exchange. And again, I think that as a way to leave your main thrust of the story, I think this is really cool. We've got Jeff and Beth having a conversation in the car. Beth starts to get a little suspicious of Jeff. Tries to make him say the cheer that they sang earlier on. And of course he doesn't know He it. doesn't remember it and we fade to black for a bit. Um, yeah, I think that I, I actually, for as much as I don't mind the scene that plays out during the credits, I think this would have been a really cool way to end it. I'm really glad they didn't do the Black Coat Sun smile. Yeah, I think that leaving it is kind of like implied but obvious kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, uh, I, I think th- it's, the, it was the, the Black Coat Sun smile or a shaky smile or dash across that central panel in the car would have just been... Shape. Uh, but they're just I mean it's not it's not in any way subtle. Not in any way, but it's no. it's certainly more subtle also than not. the film has done to this point. And like you say, I think that like um in when you're one of the criticisms that you're framing in the film is that some of the goodwill that it generates is undone by kind of things that feel kind of silly to you or a little mm. bit more blunt for us. I think that it's like a nice and kind of admirable choice to not do that at this point. I think it's a, a, a based on form, it's a, for me it's welcome, but it's wild. I it didn't go that way. However, I mean, it is arguable that it does go that way a little bit in the scene that plays out during the uh, credits. Yeah, well, the credits started and I said, yay! And you were like, uh, it's on. not quite done, was the exact Mitch Bain quote. Yeah, because um, we cut to a bus, we cut to uh, the uh, panicked lady from the car park from earlier on. Yeah, Curly Specs, Curly Cur- Hair, yep. Yep, Curly Specs, yeah, Josie, Josie Curly Specs, <laughs> um, who is on a bus and spots Beth. This is presumably an unspecified period of time after the incident, capital T, capital I. Yeah, no no clear chronology hop here, Mitch, unfortunately for N- you. No, uh, no, I don't know where we are on the timeline, but presumably relatively fresh. Um, <laughs> she spots Beth at the front of the bus, goes down and starts to talk to her again, Um Beth doesn't recognize her. Sure. She realizes what's going on, looks up, realizes that everybody else on the bus is a dead-eyed uh, kind of monster drone, which I think that, honestly, there are about 20 people on that bus. I think I might have clocked it. Also, um, I mean, I get the bus to work to my day job every day. 
that could just be any day on you my bus. You know what? That's that's fair. Like, I am surrounded by blank-eyed, vacant, drilling drones. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, you've got a point there. It's like I'm I'm not I'm not at my most alert looking when I'm on the train to work in the morning either. So um, yeah, I would say that's probably a fair point. <laughs> um, but I think that basically. So and then obviously uh, she realizes what's happening. Beth says it's happening. She gets eaten alive this by seems like terrible. twenty of them. Yeah, yeah I think as well. I I don't love it. Um, in fact, I don't particularly like it. I think also that it's a much less effective use of the same thing as they just used perfectly. Sure, and, and what I would also say is, I don't give a fuck about this girl with the curly hair and the glasses. Why do I care about this scene? Uh, yeah, that's fair. I think that it only serves to really tell you that Beth has been uh, kind of consumed at some point. Yeah. Um, which I think that if you wanted to have that, I don't think there's necessarily any call to include that. I think that like if she is stuck in a car with a monster at the end of it, she's fucked. You don't need to know that. You don't need to sure. see the actual kind of meat and potatoes of that happening. <laughs> so I think that, yeah, I, I would say that it kind of ends on a misfire. But at that point, crucially, for the purposes of this discussion, it does end. <laughs> so. Um, and uh, welcome uh, for some people who've been tweeting us for sure. Oh, my God. And yeah, for like, some people, I'm sure, who were at Fright Fest. People were furious right out of the gate when they chose this film. Was J-Dal there? No. No. Right, no. Okay. Uh, but yeah, uh, people when uh, when uh, it became kind of uh, common knowledge that this was the film that I picked, some people were not happy. No, some people are not happy at all. No. Um, some people have been uh, snorting derisively, I would say. Yeah. So uh, amongst the people who are directing all this bile in my direction and the derisive snorters, are you among them? I'm not not among them. Uh huh. You know, you know that way where you like, I'm happy to let it continue to a point. Right, okay, then you're like, guys, like, head right, on, okay, wait. Right, that's, that's fine, that's plenty. He's already <laughs> dead. Yeah, I'm happy to let it go to a point where I'm like, right, enough's enough. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> it, it does some Thanks, stuff. Thanks, man. It does some stuff okay. Am I going to sit here and say I recommend it or that I think you should watch it? Nope. Okay, that's fair. If it's on and you literally are like crippled or something, can't get to remote control <laughs> to change it, then watch it rather than stab your eyes out. I don't know. No, I, I mean, to be fair, I think, like, I mean, I am aware that this film is not perfect, and I'm aware that I'm, and I'm very mindful of its flaws, which are not insignificant. Yeah, I think, you know, they, like, I don't think mm. there's, there's no kidding on that that's not true. But what I do think is that, like, I think that, like, there's a decent amount of ambition here and a lot of really good ideas. See, I think there is ambition, and I think there is, there are commendable things. I just feel like for every moment of intrigue or suspense that the film builds, it fucks it all with stupid decisions. I think that happens way less frequently to my eye than it does yours, but I do understand what you're saying. I think as well that I got and get on board with this very very quickly right. i think that like i think that the way this film sets out its stall is a train that i just gleefully hop on and then just kind of ride along for the next 85 minutes and i get that not everyone does that and i think that like i don't know it's a nice convergence of elements for me okay. and i do think though that as it goes on i would admit that kind of some of the kind of technical shortcomings of the film start to become a problem in a way that as I see more stuff, learn more about filmmaking and things like that, was things back do become a problem and kind of a bugbear for me. But I think that, with the exception of we spoke about the fact that the guy that plays Jeff isn't great. No, he's not great. And, he, he's the weakest link out the four of those main characters. Yeah, because I think performance-wise, I think that this is generally pretty good. I, th- I mean, I think you need to have strong actors in a found footage film. Yes, I would see that the true. minute the minute you realise that it isn't real is the moment a found footage film crumbles for me. Yeah, that's reasonable. If someone is able to have a, a conversation that sounds believable and it, ha- it has the correct cadence of a conversation, 
it doesn't come across as someone who's memorised lines and someone who's bad at delivering lines. Yeah. The minute that happens, it's all over for a found footage film. And I think sometimes I've seen films that it happens early. Oh yeah, yeah. And it happened early in this for me with Jeff. That's fair. I don't. I, I mean, I don't. I don't think that you could drop that guy into a cinematically shot film and he'd be any better. No. no. But um. But yeah, I, I I would say that's fair enough, and um, I can understand why that yanks you out of it. And I think that if you're of it, like, if you're not kind of um as kind of swept up in the spirit of this thing mm-hmm. as I am, and hopefully a couple of other people are that have watched it ahead of this, um, I can see how those kind of things would yank you out of it in a way that is difficult to come back from. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that like I think that um when it's doing kind of implicitly creepy things, I think that this film is teeming with really good ideas. I actually think it does its best stuff in the f- the first half. Yeah. Oh, that's one hundred percent true. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. I think that as they're piecing it together, I think that like yeah, just like things like when they're in the dentist and you see the kind of feverishly scribbled over scribbled over crossword, which could be nothing. Yeah. But could also be something. Oh, how funny would it have been if it got to the end and it was all just nothing. <laughs> it's, it's all just a weird confluence of events involving regular humans. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No. I mean, like, uh, I mean, I, I think that everything that you're saying is legitimate. Like, I'm not really gonna. Um, I mean, I'm I'm defending the film, but I'm also not necessarily insulating it against the things that you're criticizing no, I mean, you, it for. You picked a film that you love, and that's fine. I've done the same thing when I've picked things like The Incredible Mountain Man and yeah. and whatnot. So, I mean. You, you never know the reception you're going to get when you do one of these episodes in the film that you pick. So yeah. It's yeah. fine. Like, uh, I've seen it and I don't see what you see in this film. Mm-hmm. But Do you see something? I see something. I mean, I see the seeds of something. Cool. Yeah. I'd like to have seen it with a little bit more money or a little bit more time. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I say a little bit more time. I believe the film was originally shot as a short in 2008 and then this was actually made in... Around about the same time, uh, I think it was. It was certainly. It was certainly kind of like in limbo for a while. Yeah. Um. And actually, to that end, did you have you seen the short? No, I haven't. No. It's the short. It's shot in the same style. Um. I. Really, <laughs> I. <laughs> well. Um. I really like the short. Right. I think. I think it's really good, and I think that it's like a nice proof of concept for this. I mean, I get the technical and presumably budgetary restrictions on a project like this. Mm-hmm. Um. But for my money, I would have erred on the side of caution in terms of the actual monster movements and the smiling and stuff like that because a lot of that for me was... The sticker points. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was overused, I think, to the to the point where I was like, oh, here we fucking go again. Big smile. Oh, there we go. Uh, that's fair. That's yeah. uh, i tell you, though, what is interesting, actually, in terms of uh, Jay Dahl's uh, career trajectory uh-huh. is that uh, I don't believe he's made a film since then well, apart from until now, Halloween party, Halloween party, yeah, which is um, which is playing Fright Fest this year. I am gonna go check that out sure. just out of kind of sheer affection for this film, but also just to see what of the elements of this film that didn't work for me are still there, or what kind of kinks have been worked out. Yeah, I mean, I'm always interested to see how a filmmaker changes between, like, I mean, we've we've had things on the show, we've talked about people on the show, uh, even guys like Tyler McIntyre, mm-hmm. who's... Who made two oh, good oh, films. Who made two good films, but I would say, I mean, the change between Patchwork and Tragedy Girls is massive. Oh, like, yeah, right uh, there. Jill Six, I suppose, who we had yeah. on as well, um, the, the change from Call Girl to The Stylist. Yeah, Night and Day as well. Yeah. Um, yep. It would be interesting to see... The change in Jay Dahl's film. 
Yeah, because like, like, yeah, like it's like a few years as well. You know, it's like really, really interested to see how that plays yeah, out. And, um, and reading the synopsis and stuff, it certainly doesn't feel like it, they're going for serious. No, which is also interesting, actually. Yeah, yeah like because it definitely like the, I, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe the blur was misleading, but my take on that is that it definitely sounds like it's going to be something that's way lighter in tone. Yeah. Sure, so yeah, yeah. No, I'm really interested to see it. And there we go. Even if even in an Andy versus Mitch guestless episode, we still managed to throw in some chat about Fright Fest. <laughs> I felt it was only right. Yep. And that's the final box ticked. We are done for another one. But a big thank you to everybody who uh, took the time to listen in on this one. Absolutely. I have a funny yeah. feeling that it's going to be less people than last week. <laughs> <laughs> Big thank you to everybody for sticking around and listening to us chat in a way that's probably maybe slightly more analytical than our usual. I don't know, I did manage to slip in quite a lot about dicks. Well, you know, it's fine. Can't change the stripes on a tiger. But yeah, big thank you to all of you for uh, joining us for this one. And of course, if you want to get in touch with us, there are loads of ways that you can do that. Facebook and Instagram are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC. And you can, of course, email longer considerations and indeed listener choice suggestions. And Mitch's pitch suggestions. And Mitch's pitch suggestions to stronglanguagevioluntscenes at gmail.com. And you can, of course, check out strongviolentpod.com for all the information, uh, links to everywhere you can listen, live upcoming live dates as and when they're announced. Ah, all that stuff. So much stuff. Yeah. So much stuff. Yeah. And if you want to listen, you could do a lot worse than just go to the website because the links are all there. Holy shit, yeah. You don't have to do that anymore. You can just tell what to go there and just take their pick. Yeah, yeah. But Spotify. Yep. iTunes. Yep. Podbean. They're all the ones. Check them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. Do good work. We will, of course, also be back on Monday with... But will it be us? Or will it be our evil doppelgangers? Well, who can who can say? Who can say? I wonder what my evil doppelganger would be like. He wouldn't have a beard or a moustache. He'd be the opposite of what you would imagine a doppelganger mm. to look like. Like, yeah. the, you know, the goatee thing that, that South Park and uh, Star Trek did? Yeah, or like um, the opposite, I guess, is uh, Flexo. <laughs> Futurama. Sure. Um, anyway, we're rambling. But yeah, um, yeah, we're back on Monday. Yes. With another mini-sode. We will be doing all the usual stuff. We'll be taking a look at my voyage through the Shockwaves 100. I have Friday off work, so I'm definitely going to watch one. Cool. You have my word. We'll be talking about what we've been watching. We will be playing another round of Mitch's Pitches. We will be telling you everything that you need to know about next week's episode, which is going to be a fun one. Yeah. We're changing we? up the format just slightly. Very slightly. Very, just very slightly. slightly. But uh, yeah, I think you're going to like this. I think you're yeah. going to like it. Yeah. We'll be back Monday. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of shaky smilers. Good night. (laughs) Good night. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.